Okay, we start our afternoon session and welcome back from lunch. I hope that you have enjoyed a very uh, uh, fruitful uh, and informative lunch discussion with your fellow uh, members here. And we, I believe that you will not feel sleep uh, because of our distinguished speakers here, and also because of the topics that we are talking about, is the changing landscape of uh, bank, uh, bank finance as the main capital provider to shipping. And you see from the, the panel members that we have three bankers and financiers from the traditional banks and also the, the new uh, shipping financiers, and also and more importantly, I would say that we have one from uh, uh, the ship owners, Peter. Um, so I probably would like to start with Peter first, because from my perspective that, like me as a lawyer and also like bankers and financiers, that we are all providing services to the ship, ship owners. And uh, ship owners are the, no doubt, the principal stakeholder of shipping uh, industry. So uh, the shipping, uh, as we have heard a lot in the morning, that the shipping is um, still in the challenging times. Uh, ship owners, um, uh, for a, a doubling of cargo volumes by 2050, assuming a conservative growth of 2 to 2.5% per annum, will is cutting emissions at least by half until the same time to 2050. So therefore, people say ship owners must, fi must find alternatives to the uh, uh, fossil fuels that have provided their ships for uh, most of the 21st century. And there's no time to waste considering that uh, ships need at least uh, 20 years of life to pay back their, uh, the investment costs and that um, the, the requisite technologies do not yet exist at actable, actable uh, costs. So I'd like to ask Peter first that how should the industry go about meeting this challenge from the ship owner's perspective? And also, when you accept the investment from the bankers and uh, financiers, what is the first or primary concern? Yeah, please, thank you. Thank you, Edward, and thank you for giving me such an easy question to start off with. Um, I mean, 2050, obviously, it's a long time away. But you're, you're right, we kind of have to start thinking about it today because we have our first sort of hurdle already in 2030, and that's only about 10 years away, where we have to become much more efficient per ton mile than we are today in order to reach the ultimate target. But the issue you know, that we're facing today is we don't know the, the path to get there because we don't know what technology will ultimately prevail or if it's one or several technologies. There's obviously a lot of discussions going on at the moment about how we can become more efficient, making the ships uh, uh, slightly uh, uh, cleaner and, and more efficient, etc. And I know there were discussions overnight in the IMO about speed limits, which doesn't seem to be happening, and, and other things, right? So th there are a lot of things going on, but we don't know today what the ultimate technology will be, so we cannot plan for it, right? It will become clear over time, but, but the thing that we do as a ship owner, uh, and I can speak for Pacific Basin, the way we manage this risk today is that we focus on buying second-hand ships, right? Because you're quite right, if you order a new build ship today, you will have it trading in about two years from now, 
and then you have 25 years of depreciation uh, on that vessel. So you're taking a 27-year bet on a particular technology. And if you order a ship today, whether it's in China or whether it's in, in, uh, in Japan, I'm talking from, from the perspective of dry bulk, it's still optimized to run on heavy fuel oil, right? So it's not, uh, you know, it's not a technology of tomorrow. Uh, that fuel oil uh, will be phased out in a month and a half, and it will be illegal in about four months' time. So the way we handle this today is we do not order new builds. Right? It's way too risky. Uh, and, and, and I think as we get closer to these various deadlines, whether it's 2030 or, or, or 20, 2050, the life uh, of a ship will start to uh, become... Uh, shorter, right? We need to go on a return on a ship much quicker than we than we do today, uh, because the technology that we're using uh, at some point will become obsolete, right? Uh, but it's it's challenging because we don't know where that will be. So from our perspective, uh, we focus on secondhand ships. We focus on uh, ships uh, uh, when we when we invest and grow our fleet of a an, you know age you know five six seven years old, gives us much much more time to earn a return on that investment, uh, apart from costing much less, of course, than a, than a new build, and at much less residual risk. That's how we handle that today. But I wish I knew the technology that's going to be uh, future-proof in, in this greenhouse gas emission reduction. Uh, if I knew that, uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, very, 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 very good start, I believe, that uh, for uh, kicking out our uh, discussion. And then I turn back to the, uh, the bankers and financiers that uh, actually uh, probably we, we, we can start with an overview from the uh, traditional bank, uh, that's Shreyas, uh, that uh, on the previous year and what, it, what, what, what you see for the year to come, that how would you sum up your, uh, this year, because we are already in November, and, uh, and what do you expect in next year, both for the shipping finance uh, market and also uh, the, 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 the shipping I mean, uh, the, the cargo, cargo market, and that would be influential to your uh, decision on your further investment, right? So, thank you. So, I hope everybody's got three hours to sit and listen to me describe uh, the full year. Um, look, the, 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 the fact is that in within shipping finance, uh, the year has been uh, a, a mix of um, essentially uh, traditional ship finance and also some very interesting um, non-traditional um, uh, financing aspects. At City, we, when we talk about shipping, we're also talking about offshore, we're talking about terminals, um, and so a lot of infrastructure-type projects. And if you look at what global trade has been doing over the last sort of 10 years since it took a dive in 2009, um, it has come back, obviously, but there are many um, well-known threats to the stability of global trade. Uh, not everything is in the control of, uh, of uh, ship owners, and so uh, we must write that out. For a financing firm, uh, ultimately it is the stability of cash flows that matters. And so whether you're looking at a terminal, a uh, dry bulk vessel, or a tanker, or an LNG carrier, you're still looking, asking this very simple, basic questions that my predecessors as heads of shipping have asked since time immemorial. You know, how are you going to pay me back? And if you don't, what am I going to do with this collateral that you're supposed to be giving me the keys to? So that has not changed. And I think 2019 was simply another year where uh, more of that took place. Now, we are at a point of great 
um, flux, I should say, uh, for the industry. Everything that is happening within uh, the green, uh, let's say, uh, initiative, and whether uh, you want to also throw into that generational change within the ship owners and the corporatization of, of shipping companies, uh, the, uh, the push towards public capital markets that some shipping companies are focusing on. All of these things indicate that shipping is coming more into the mainstream sort of corporate flow. And what that means is that the greater responsibility that's going to emerge for the, for the shareholders of these companies is frankly going to be um, uh, you know, brought to bear with things like activist shareholders and environmental activism and consumer awareness of what shipping does. The, the core problem of shipping is that we haven't had a link between the value that shipping adds to the world economy to what consumers see on the shelves in the supermarkets and, and how it affects their daily economic uh, life. So once you make that connection, once you see that the shipping is an indelible part of the global logistics world, we should see some improvement. But that story is still emerging. We are maybe five, 10 years away from it. So 2020, I think, is going to be another 2019. We will have some interesting out, uh, outcome of the uh, IMO um, 2020 regulations, low sulfur fuel, and, and the resulting uh, potentially complications that arise from it. But um, we will ride it out as we have always done. And I'm sure that we will find some stability towards the later half of the year. But these are uh, volatile times for global trade and for finance. Um, and that will continue. OK, thank you. How about, how about Bill? Uh, that any, any comments? Because we know that ICBC leasing has been very active in the shipping, uh, shipping finance market. And uh, any, any views? Yes, and uh, thanks for your invitation again. So the 2019, I would say the challenge year in general, not just for the shipping, but also for the global economy, also in China, you know, so I'm saying the China, China economy has been slowed down a little bit, and, uh, but still faster compared with the rest of the majority of the economy and uh, countries, but uh, consequently also impact the shipping, you know, and in the beginning of the 2019, and, um, you know, people worry about the dry bulk, worry about the NG, worry about the container, but uh, now in the end of the, this year, when we look back, we find out, okay, dry bag not that bad, um, and is still booming, and the container, leave the you know, soft, but they're still okay. And the tanker, surprisingly, you know, due to China, some organization is uh, you know, historically high compared with the 20, 20 years ago, you know, so it's, uh, everyone feel like, oh, this year is an amazing year. And uh, last month I went to the Greek and um, you know, meet some Greek ship owners. Lot, most people are very happy because they make a good profit in all kinds of the shipment, you know, so and the segmentation. So in the 2019 was a, you know, surprise year, I would say, in my opinion. So because people feel like it's a lot of a challenge. It is a lot of a challenge because of the new regulation going to be and, uh, implemented in the 2020. But the result, and the, I mean, from the economy perspective in the shipping, the result actually not that bad. And uh, so now we talk about the 2020, it's only like a two months left to be going to in 2020. And there uh, would be another you know, good year or surprise year or maybe another you know, encouraging year. Nobody knows, but we do know that the new regulation we're going to implement in early of 2020. And uh, we have to look back, audits and uh, shippers who has the financial relation with ICBC leasing. We just ensure they have the money either to pay for the scrubber or they have the money to buy the low software. You know, if they cannot to support any of this, mm -hmm. they have to, you know, to give back to the you know ICB leasing, which we don't want to see this. So I have to, you know, for the last two months, 
in my team, we are very busy to talk about all the ship, you know, the shippers and uh, in the world say about, are you okay for 2020? Do you have enough cash flow? But I think 2020, the most important thing is about the cash flow. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of solution you're looking for. You know, some people looking for the LNG, some people looking for the, you know, Scuba Plus, the high software, some people looking for the low software. Doesn't matter. Just you know, look at the, your balance sheet, look at the, your cash flow, ensure you have money to pay back the banks, especially to ICBC and Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's let we, we we talk about about uh, we we talk a lot about uh, 2020, the next year. But let's look a bit, a bit beyond the next 10 years, for example. The view finance, uh, Eric. I would like to uh, put this question to you. That uh, will you think uh, the bank, uh, the finance will be more accessible to ship owners in uh, the next 10 years? That the banks. Uh, for, like, like we know that banks, uh, panel, uh, the panelists have all survived the last 10 years, right? From even the shipping market was not really good. But how do the banks view their next 10 years in shipping, Eric? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, this is uh, Eric Yang from Evic Leasing. I think Evic Leasing is one leading house in China, and uh, we have the unique aircraft manufacturer background, and uh, aircrafts and shipping are our core business uh, in our portfolios. Uh, to answer your question, it's, uh, yeah, it's not easy to survive in the last 10 years because it's, uh, it's a difficult time in shipping industries, and uh, we got lucky. First lucky, we established relatively late. Uh, in 2010. Second is we, we choose strategically choose not to involve in any offshore deals in that uh, hot topic years uh, of offshore deals. And now that's, that's why we are here. Uh, the whole fleet uh, is very healthy and we invest, heavily invest uh, in last three years because we believe it's uh, the, the bottom of the cycle. It's the right time to enter. I think uh, the most important thing is luck, I think. Uh, no matter what you did, you still need some luck to invest in the right timing. For the next 10 years, I still believe luck, we still need luck to, to around the earth. Uh, the next thing I think important is you should be open-minded and uh, be uh, innovative uh, because it's a, it's a changing world. Even as Bill said, the, the beginning of this year and end of this year, their opinions are different and people have different opinions in different uh, segments. Uh, maybe next, next year we may have different strategies to invest uh, compared to this year. So I think the more important things to survive in the next 10 years, you should be innovative and more creative. Yep, thank you. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk more, uh, because you see that our uh, panel uh, topic is about the changing landscape of bank finance as the main capital provider to shipping. So, uh, Peter, when I raised the first question, you said that I, uh, the question was simple. So let me uh, raise a, a bit harsh question, starting from you, actually. It's more harsh, I believe, for the other three uh, members. That uh, um, um, do you think the diversity of the shipping finance providers is good to the ship owners. And from the ship owner's perspective, um, when you consider borrowing money, whether you would like to go to the traditional banks or to the new financial providers. And uh, do you think the traditional bank shipping, uh, shipping finance um, will, I would say, disappear uh, in the next 10 years, actually? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'll speak perhaps not uh, on behalf of Pacific Basin, but sort of more in general. Uh, you know, my view is that shipping does not generally 
benefit from uh, too much finance, right? Uh, and you know we've had periods where there has been too much money uh, floating around uh, being offered to shipping companies, and the result of that is always the same thing, which is overordering, right? And which kills the market. So I don't think that that uh, uh, oh, you know too much finance, uh, too many options is necessarily a good thing, right? Of course, from a sh as an individual ship owner, it's always nice to have a lot of options. But from a macro perspective, uh, I think uh, I think shipping uh, has had uh, too much money and it's been too cheap, and that I think will change. Right? Uh, I think the traditional bank ship finance model uh, is likely to become a smaller and smaller part of of, of ship finance, and I think banks will look increasingly at the corporate uh, credit as opposed, you know, they'll want their, their, their security, of course, why wouldn't they? But they will look at the, the corporate uh, credit uh, more and more. They will want to see what kind of company is this, what's their strategy, uh, what's their track record, what's, you know, the quality of the management team, all, the, all these things that, that, that is common in other, other sectors. I think that will be uh, the way the sort of the bank market will evolve uh, over time. Um, I think it's good to have other, you know, alternative sources of, of funding, uh, but as I said before, as long as it doesn't lead to new ordering, because that undermines the, uh, the overall market and the health of the credits, ultimately. But I think as banks become much more picky, I think what will happen, and I think what will need to happen, is that all the other providers of finance will also need to become more picky. Because you can't have a situation where alternative sources of funding uh, starts a race to the bottom for for credit, right? Uh, and that because then you're you're you know you're picking uh, ultimately you're picking losers, uh, frankly. So I think as the banks starts moving towards more relationship banks, uh, relationship uh, led corporate lending, so will all the other providers of finance uh, over time. They will have to do that as well. So it will mean the overall uh, uh, sort of finance uh, quantum will be reduced, and that is not necessarily a bad thing. Yep, thank you. And uh, Shiraz, how about uh, any, any comments from the traditional bank's perspective? Um, given I'm the only traditional bank on this panel, I think every time people say, you know, the bank landscape is changing, what's going to happen? Basically, that question means, bank, you are going to die. Everybody else is going to take your business. <laughs> so, okay. So, no, in 10 years, I don't think we're going to go anywhere. I think we're going to be around. Uh, the, 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 the fact is, and I think we heard the number earlier today, $100 billion of, you know, new financing required to replace ships, etc. There simply isn't enough appetite or interest in the wider capital markets to pick up that kind of um, shipping risk, frankly. And you need uh, specialized skills to analyze shipping risk. And the specialized skill lies in people who are sitting on this panel, for example, and their teams. So we need to make sure that that First of all, that topic is taken off the table. I think what we, what uh, to Peter's point, as there is more corporatization and people looking at more of the corporate level balance sheets, there will be, after some consolidation in the next 10 years, I think there will be large enough corporates that can ad address the capital markets and share some of the burden of capital allocation from the bank, take it away from the banks. And as banks, we are more than happy to have that because we would rather have a small balance sheet and a nice fee income from doing those bonds. So this is obviously something that works for us. 
but I think we're still very far away from that. I think we, we still have a period of volatility ahead of us. We have IMO initially, and then we have um, environmental activism. Uh, we have the prospect of um, uh, lower oil prices, even lower than where they are today. I mean, it's um, a natural result of electrification. The way that the auto industry is moving, so will the transportation industry move in due course. But if you look at the sheer numbers, we, we use 97 million barrels of oil a day, um, about 40 million, and the number is debatable, but 40, 45 million of that is in transportation. And if you just uh, dislodge 10% of that over the next eight to 10 years, that's four, mil 4 million barrels of oil a day that could go into electrified transportation. And remember, in 2015, when the oil crisis happened, it was because the dislocation was one and a half million barrels. Uh, of, of the dislocation between shale and Saudi oil. So we have some volatility ahead in, in the hydrocarbon space. And I put my hand up earlier uh, as pro-LNG, and that was simply because I would like to see LNG develop as a solution to this dislocation that is coming in the oily, sort of black oil sector. Um, and I think the, the uh, social thing to do would be to develop LNG as a transition fuel just because we will have this uh, dislocation coming up. So there are things to be concerned about, um, and I think like I said, the best place to analyze these kinds of things is not the capital market. It's within the bank and leasing companies who understand this risk. Yep, thank you. Bill, from my perspective, actually, ICBC is standing in the middle, right? That ICBC, on the one, on one hand, is a traditional bank. But on the other hand, ICBC leasing is definitely a new uh, financial provider to, uh, uh, to shipping. So uh, from your perspective, what you see the difference, and when... Uh, you are sitting in the middle uh, or standing in the middle that uh, um, whether you see the advantage and disadvantage when you are uh, talking to your clients about uh, uh, injecting uh, fundings to them. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's a very tricky question because uh, hardly I cannot speak uh, on behalf of the ICBC Bank, uh, <laughs> but I try to speak on behalf of the ICBC leasing. I think the you know also there's other China leasing house and um, you know sitting sitting here. Uh, in the past five years, you know I already explained in the previous and the panel, and uh, you know the reason for the China leasing house and uh, you know increasing you know raising very sharply, and uh, because China banks do have the capital on hand, but the, the problem for the you know for the shipping finance I also answered the question. Uh, you need like the industry background also you need a very special you know tech technique to really run this kind of financial model. And uh, you can't you know, get someone who has no shipping background, just you know, come from the purely the financial background to uh, run the success model, which has been proven not to be successfully. That's why I've seen the ICBC bank itself build up the leasing house and dedicating the shipping side, the sectors, because and, uh, they got some kind of the combination, not just banking background people, but also the industry, shipping, shipping industry background people you know, work together. I would say the shipping finance is very special, you know, the finance industry. You need the very strong cooperation, not just, of, you know, purely the banking background, but also you have the lots of technical background, but also you have to understand the global economy, also understand about the, the whole, I would say, the legal issue. Right now, most important about the regulation issued by the IMO. Right now, we have about one trillion US dollar and um, shipping at that. It could be go to zero if you know I more said about it, you know, no ship without ING could run on the water. Then you know, suddenly all this kind of old ship and old model will be the value itself will go to zero. So I would say for the ICBC bank or ICBC leasing, internally we're working very closely because the good thing you know for us we have all you know hundreds of offices around the world. 
which can be our you know ears and eyes to help us to really touch the local global customers. But on the other hand, you know we also can support the local banks to really to understand the local customers as well. So that's why you know there's some news already published. ICBC set up the new office in the Greece, and with another Chinese bank as well. So it's the first Chinese bank set up in you know the Nicholas and the hometown in the Greece. And the, you know leasing also of course will be the very quickly the step into a you know the new country as well. So I think um, you know that's the main reason I think in the, for the or explain in the next ten years I think the leasing capital also the the banks maybe also I would say the private equity they all have to work together you know to support this I would say the very dynamic also you know very technical required the shipping sectors. Yep, thank you. Eric, how about you? Um, I think that you've not denied, probably not denied that uh, Eric, uh, Eric leasing is uh, uh, a pure a new uh, shipping finance provider. And when you, what is your, from, from your perspective, what is your selling point when you, uh, when you compare with, uh, for example, like City and ICBC leasing, that how you could persuade the ship owners to choose you uh, for uh, getting the shipping finance to get the investment? Oh, thank you very much. I think, uh, first, I think uh, there's not so many competitions between us. The, the room is uh, big enough for everybody. And when the traditional bank leave some uh, market, then we will fill the market. Yeah. I think it's it's good to think about that way. And because we don't have, a, a, let's say, bank background, so it's not easy for us to also get the money, fundings from the, 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 the capital market or from the banks. So that's why we have a very good relationship with the banks. Uh, our 60% of our debt are long-term debt. Uh, most of them come from the Chinese policy banks, international banks, and the, the, the bond, the capital market. So I think it's a good way to cooperate with them, not to compete with them, because we are in a different market positions. We are positioning ourselves in differently with them. We are the leasing house, take care of the small to medium-sized ship owners in the market. And we did a lot of deals in Greek market. So I just want to show you we are different. Uh, there's not so many competitions between us. So we can work together to provide the, the financial service to our clients. Yep, thank you. Um, you know, since that we are, we, are, we are basically in Hong Kong now, this, uh, this forum, so let's talk a bit more about Hong Kong. And the first question about Hong Kong I'd like to put to uh, Bill, actually. The reason is because two years before, then, when I was also a delegation member together with Hong Kong Shipowner Association, we paid a visit to ICBC, and we were warmly received by ICBC as well. And at that time, there was a, a tax incentive launched by the Hong Kong government for the aircraft leasing, and not yet for the shipping leasing. Of course, we are still waiting for the ship leasing uh, tax, uh, tax incentive. At that time, um, uh, the, the president of ICBC said, one word in Chinese that uh, when we ask about when ICBC leasing would set up your office uh, in in Hong Kong for doing uh, doing the shipping finance, and 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 uh, the, the the bank had said that uh, everything is ready, just waiting for the tax uh, uh, incentive, and you, you you would recall that actually last year in the policy address, the chief executive has already said that uh, 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 Hong Kong government is working on the tax uh, incentive for the shipping finance. And do you think 
that is really important for you to, that it really uh, uh, makes sense for, for saying that everything's ready, just waiting for the tax incentive. And if that can be done quickly, um, uh, hopefully the end of this year or the next year, um, do you think uh, it will attract a lot of shipping uh, leasing companies to set up, not only SBC, of course, but also the other ship leasing companies to set up in Hong Kong? And is it possible for Hong Kong to amplify the effectiveness of this tech regime with the grid by area uh, that we know that everyone talking about grid by area in here, and also Hong Kong want to play an important role in the grid by area? And also the advantage, I think, from uh, the shipbuilding and shipping finance perspective is that Guangzhou is one of the major shipbuilding uh, 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 venue in, in mainland China. So uh, is that uh, really also the reason why you would choose Hong Kong as your, your, your base for doing uh, shipping finance? And how, uh, of course, the, the, the later question will be for Peter, that how are ship owners and managers going to benefit it from it even I, I know that you said there are probably too many money, too much money in the in the in the market. But uh, on the other hand, uh, of course, that more options would be more opportunities, and probably start with uh, uh, Bill first. Thank you. There's a lot of question from Mr. Liu. I think it's just you know summarized to one question: Why is Hong Kong the important? <laughs> and uh, it is important, no doubt. And uh, but those questions actually and pretty high level and uh, should be answered by our CEO. Since I'm here, I just try to answer the questions mostly from my personal opinion. And you know, I try to share more information and, uh, from the public uh, medias. And some information already being discussed and uh, you know, but hadn't been officially announced, so I have to and uh, kind of be share right now. But first of all, and uh, we, you know, ICP leasing is the first and um, the China leasing house set up the you know the subsidiary and the company in Hong Kong for the aviation leasing. Um, that's why I come with the latest uh, this morning because I went to and uh, our aviation office, not far from here. It's in the center in the visiting the ICBC tower, very nice tower. Uh, it's not owned by the ICBC bank, but you know with the branding said ICBC tower. I assume the people living in Hong Kong had uh, you know visible for this tower, uh, next to the city tower. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, so we have the you know half floor and uh, you know pretty nice office and uh, good view. So which means we already be physically be in Hong Kong since two years ago, and we have already and uh, about ten people and uh, sitting in the office and uh, you know working very hardly, but for the aviation side right now only. Uh, but we do have the plan, you know, to have our similar structures and for the shipping side. And uh, unfortunately due to the you know today's and uh, you know situation in Hong Kong, so our process had to be slightly slowed down a uh, little bit. But I think uh, by the end of the year we should have something you know you know come out and um, you know in our Hong Kong office. And the reason we want to have the office in Hong Kong, because it's a, it's a global financial center, no doubt. The shipping never, ever possible and uh, this linked with money. That's why we said about the capital link. We said always link together, money and the capital, shipping together. That's why we choose the Hong Kong because of the, the Asia hub. And uh, you know, the, it's very easy to access, the, you know, not just money, but also all the media, I would say, the, the lawyers, you know, also the you know, accounting people, all those kind of professional people can support the shipping function. But the shipping itself, not just for the shipping, it's, uh, it's covering lots of things. That's why we choose the Hong Kong as the center as our, you know, the future sport function. You know, right now for website, you know, I can't speak on behalf of the other China leasing house, but for ICBC leasing, you know, for the shipping side, we have more than the 12 billion 
and assets in shipping. And uh, it's already 90% business come from overseas in the US dollar business. If we only sit in Beijing or Shanghai or Tianjin in China, it's very hard for us to you know, have the daily contact with overseas customers who use our capital in the daily running. We have to be some, somewhere, you know, not just in Hong Kong, maybe also London, maybe also New York, as our step-by-step -step to have the easy access to our global customers also for them, have the easy to access to us as well. So that's kind of the consequence for us to you know, step out from mainland China to the Hong Kong side. That's why it's very critical, that's very, very important. I think that the shipping is just for one, one industry. That's why I say Hong Kong is important because for other industry, for the Chinese you know, enterprise, for the Chinese company, they need Hong Kong because they need this kind of the window so for the step, step one to the overseas. So, you know, that's why the reason. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you. And I have looked around. Actually, there's no officials from the government. And if Benjamin Wong of Invest Hong Kong is sitting here, and when he hears about uh, that you are slowing down the opening of your office, he should be very rushed, you know, and very action about <laughs> to persuading you that you should uh, quick, quick, quickly uh, to uh, take actions. And before I, 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 I ask Peter to comment, I'd like to hear more about uh, I, I believe that everyone would like to hear more about uh, uh, the views from uh, from Sharias and also uh, Eric uh, about this question that uh, whether you see Hong Kong is still an important maritime financing, a shipping finance hub, and uh, what the benefit that you can get from the, for example, the Great Bay Area and also Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, sure. Um, unless Eric wants to go first. But I, look, I, I mean, what can I say? We've been here for um, over 100 years. So I think that itself is the advertisement for uh, us being very confident of Hong Kong's abilities. Um, I lived here 20 years ago. Uh, I worked in city 20 years ago based in Hong Kong. And honestly, nothing has changed in that sense. There are the, Hong Kong's biggest um, competitive advantage is still its people. The energy here, uh, the fact that it is, you know, as Nicholas said, gateway to China, gateway to Southeast Asia, gateway to the world. I think it is it is a supremely important part of the Asian uh, financial infrastructure. So maritime fits very beautifully into that. Maritime is a global business, and Hong Kong has a global outlook. So for us, there is uh, absolutely no no doubt, no question about the importance of Hong Kong. Thank you, Eric. Do you expect the taxation uh, incentive launched by the government? And uh, if it is launched, what uh, AVIC would do? Yeah. Uh, yes, I also want to highlight Hong Kong is very important. Uh, um, yes, I think um, um, some of my friends pull out, out because of the safety concerns, but I think gentlemen, ladies, you are here, I'm here. I think we have the believing in Hong Kong's as uh, harbor centers, uh, financial centers. Uh, we already uh, have a lot of SPVs, lessors uh, established in Hong Kong and with the vessels flying Hong Kong flag. I think we're already doing that. And uh, we choose Hong Kong is not only the tax policies, but also the mature uh, financial, uh, shipping financial systems, uh, legal systems, and uh, the financial systems, and the talents you can find uh, uh, all, all in aspects. So I think uh, we, we are happy to see those uh, tax uh, incentives we must. We we will get benefit from that, but that is not the only reason we choose here. In terms of the the branch, overseas branches, 
I think uh, I have to concern about, uh, I have to think about that because uh, it's the, the, the definition or the, the, the why we should establish a, a branch here is that the functional reasons uh, because it's uh, easy to access access the capital market, easy to access the, the, the banks, international banks, or it's easy to access the, the shop owners. So we have to think that deeply, and uh, and maybe the next we will think about that, and uh, maybe it's Hong Kong. It's the right place to choose as a functional center, not a headquarter, of course. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, Peter. Let's uh, you, you start the uh, discussion, and let's uh, let you uh, uh, conclude the discussion. And uh, you know that as the the principal stakeholder of shipping industry in Hong Kong, the uh, Hong Kong government has since I think 2016 started really uh, started to promote and facilitating uh, the shipping industry. From the ship owner's perspective, what do you think so far has been done good? And uh, 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 any areas, any aspects that you think the Hong Kong government should catch up, and uh, turning back to the taxation uh, uh, incentive, that whether you think this would be good for Hong Kong as a whole as a shipping in, uh, shipping centre. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we, you know we have been in Hong Kong for 32 years. We're, we were founded here, and we've had our headquarters here for 32 years. We are very committed to this city. We have over 200 people here. We have 120 Hong Kong flagged vessels, which is one of the, uh, we're one of the biggest owners of, of Hong Kong uh, tonnage. Uh, and, and, you know, we think it is a great place to do, uh, to do business. So I agree with my esteemed uh, colleagues here that, uh, uh, you know, Hong Kong gets most things right. You know, it's very difficult to point to things from a business perspective that, that, uh, that, that Hong Kong uh, does not do very well. So I have, you know, we have no, no issue with the, with the, the you know, the, the way they've implemented their taxation and, and, and other, other reforms. I think they, they're, they're doing it for the right reason, and I think it's helpful for any ship owner uh, here. And, uh, and uh, you know, in, 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 in general, uh, I, think, uh, I think the government has been very, very helpful. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and we are, we, you know, we're very committed to keep growing our fleet here in this city. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we still have one minute, so I open to the floor. And any questions to ask? If there's no questions, I would conclude the discussion. Okay, thank you very much indeed, um, panel members, and also, also thank you very much for your listening, and thank you. Thank you.